Everyone hear me okay? How is everyone? You all look so lovely today. Thank you. That's so kind of you. That's great. As Gary said, my name is Mike. Um, it's my privilege to have come on uh, at, with Journey as the new site pastor in Antrim, um, and it truly is one of the, the greatest honors and privileges to, um, to be put in this position and to, to be able to, to lead this house, to be able to um, listen to what the Lord's saying and do my best, my very best, uh, to be obedient to that, and that, that you would all join with us um, together. We're starting a new series this morning. Then that graphic looks so good. That's it. I, I just I have to give honor where honor is due. The church needs creative people. Okay, this this is like a no brainer. The church needs creative people. But I want to give you a really practical sense. I was I was chatting with Gary, and I was going, you know, I really feel like the Lord's put on our hearts this, to actually preach and talk about fasts, not just say we're doing a fast, but to actually get in the Word and see what what the Lord might have to say to us this morning. Uh, I just can't come up with a name. I'm like, I can't come up with a name. What are you going to do, like, no food? <laughs> you know, I was like, you're going to have a little picture of a guy, like, taking a plate and, like, throwing it across the room. Like, I, I don't know what creative. And Gary's just like, when you fast. Love it. Love it. So thank you so much for, for Gary and the, the creative team. Um, that's my segue, by the way, into say this. If you are any way creative, and even if you don't think you're creative, there's a place for you here. And there's a place for you to serve, and there's a place for you to be engaged, and there's a place for you to come um, and participate. We have so many different ministries, so many different things going on. We don't do this alone. We don't do church alone. Um, and so that's my little segue just there. Um, there's, there's plenty of ways to get involved um, if you're not. If you're somebody who's been coming here for quite a while and you've uh, made your home in the back of the the build, of the, the room here and you're just normally coming in and going, I want to encourage you. Um, Get stuck in, get stuck into what's going on, what the Lord's doing this morning. So without further ado, let's, let's get on here. So where did this come about? It's kind of funny, when, when the Lord's on something, um, generally speaking, it's not something that one person gets up and goes, yep, this is what the Lord said, let's all go that way. Sometimes that happens, but I'm really, really thankful to be a part uh, of a church whose leadership um, are always in, a, in an attitude and a posture in our hearts that goes, Lord, what do you want? What do you want to do? Where do you want to take us? Where do we, you want us to go? And it was out of actually birthed out of Kingdom Come when Lou Engel came in. And how many of you were at Kingdom Come um, and heard Lou Engel and like the, oh, unbelievable. <laughs> I found myself the, the, the other morning driving and I was doing this and I'm like, oh no, this is, a, this is how it starts. Um, but, but if you were there, he, he released a powerful word over us, and, and it kind of came out of this heart and this attitude of what it looks like to fast and to dream again. Um, it left us really inspired, and we went away from it, and our, our leadership came up, and we had, a, we had an elders meeting one evening, and one of our elders got up and just said, because I really feel like the Lord's calling us to, to actually enter into a, a time of prayer and fasting with him. And we all chuckled because about two or three of us kind of then stood up and said, well, funny enough, like our devotions this whole week has just been over prayer and fasting. And that's what we've been feeling. So this is why we're going after this morning. As Gary said, there's a lot of transition that's afoot. We are in a place right now that is so unique to the history of our church. We're in a place right now that is so unique to the history of this land, to this community. And 
there's no better starting place than to start and go, do you know what, Lord, we're going we're gonna to fast. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with, you, with me here to Matthew 6. And this is the title of the subtitle of my sermon this morning. Are you ready for that? Are you hungry? Some of you going, oh, I can't wait. The roasties are in the oven. Sunday dinner. It's really cruel, isn't it? We started a fast on Sunday, like when Sunday dinner is. I don't know. We didn't really think that one through, did we? Sure. But here we are fasting. Are you hungry? This is the definition of hunger. It's the state of wanting or needing something that you do not have. Quite profound, really. But all of us understand what hunger feels like. It's a universal feeling. From the moment that we're infants, uh, my, my wife and I are expecting our first child here in November, and she will tell you, baby is kicking and kicking and kicking, and then this moment she gets a Coke Zero or she gets some sort of sugar in it, it goes absolutely mad, has a dance party in Rihanna's tummy. So, and then we all know what happens. Child, children are born, and all they want to do is sleep, feed, and poop. So we were born with this innate ability to be hungry. How many of you do really well with hunger? Nobody. That's my people. My wife will tell you, you want to see Mike as a grizzly bear. That's what Mike is when he doesn't have food. My, the, the fruits of the spirit are very much lacking. My patience is very low. My loving kindness is very, very low. My long suffering, even lower. There is, it's all bets are off if I don't have my food. What's that? Just being a male. Just being a male. This is true. But there's something, there's something about it. We have this hunger inside of us. And it's funny that we were created this way. And none of us, none of us do hunger well. So then we come to this idea of fasting and we go, you must be out of your mind. <laughs> Who would sit there and knowingly go, I'm not going to eat for today? Or I'm not going to eat for this meal? Or I'm not going to do any of this. If you're a health buff or a, a nutrition guru, you'll know that there's times of intermittent fasting. People use fasting for losing weight. We, we have this understanding of fasting. And yet, sometimes, I think it gets overlooked really what true fasting holds and what it's for. What's the purpose behind it? So I want to give you a bit of context before we read our passage this morning and found in Matthew 6. And it's this. Jesus enters onto the scene John the Baptist is baptizing people in the, in the Jordan. Jesus goes up and says, I, I need to be baptized by you. He's baptized. The, the heavens open up. You know the story. And then Jesus enters in to the wilderness to do what? To fast and to pray. And then he has his face off one-on-one with the devil. Defeats him, comes back out and starts healing people, starts driving out demons. We're going to talk more about this in another week. But Jesus comes in power and brings his kingdom, and he brings quite a following. People are out, out to look at, to, and follow him along wherever he's going. And he finds himself in this northern mountaintop in Israel with crowds of people following him, and he's delivering his kingdom manifesto. Jesus is standing above all the mountains, seeing all of the people, and he's declaring, this is what the kingdom of the Lord really is. We, many of us know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you want a whole bunch of red letters of just what Jesus said, 
straightforward. I encourage you, read the Sermon on the Mount. It will challenge your heart. It will challenge your mind. And great smack in the middle, we have two things. We have the Lord's Prayer, and we have this bit on fasting. And it says this. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigured their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Turn to your neighbor and say, when, not if. And turn to your other neighbor and say, are you hungry? Some people are already starving. The mouth's already starting to, to water. When and not if. It strikes me, isn't it? When Jesus says something specifically, we were, it's probably in our best interest to pay attention. When Jesus, the living word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning. Jesus is the living word. Jesus picks his words very carefully. And so when Jesus says when, not if, something we need to pay attention to. It's funny, isn't it? So fasting is something that Jesus has assumed. We don't get this whole list of this is how you do fast, all this stuff. We get a little bit of it, but it's assumed that people that Jesus, the people that Jesus is speaking with, that those people understand what fasting is. And it's an art, to be honest with you, that I think the church, up until only recently, we'll see in a minute, has all but forgotten about. And it strikes me. If you look up fasting, you'll see fasting in the Bible at least 70 times between the Old and New Testament. It was practiced by the Jewish people before Jesus even entered into the scene. This understanding of of fasting, Jesus taught on himself. He modeled it. And then as we'll see later on this morning, the disciples and the apostles, they practiced this even after Jesus returned to the Father. Where are my church history buffs? Nobody. Tough crowd. We've got one. Excellent. Great. Dan, this is for you. <laughs> Has anyone ever heard about a, name, a man named Tertullian? Yeah. yeah. Not too, not too long ago. First century. But he was an early church father. He was known as the father of Latin Christianity and the founder of Western theology. He wrote an entire book in Latin, by the way. And it's now translated for us, thank goodness. It's difficult to read even when it's translated. But it's called On Fasting. And he explains how we can see that man's appetites are ordered by the way the body is set up. He provides a full theology on fasting. And he even states that actually fasting started in the very beginning. When Adam and Eve were created. And Adam was told, do not eat of that fruit. Abstain from that fruit. It's quite interesting. This understanding that that fasting is rooted in in Christianity. Are you hungry? How about St. Augustine or Augustine, as some of the, the Americans would know him as? Another early church father, not too far long ago, fourth and fifth century, from Roman Af- North Africa. 
He said this, fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of concupiscence. I'm not spelling that for you. Quenches the fires of lust and kindles the true light of Christianity. Enter again into yourself. Are you hungry this morning? How about St. Thomas Aquinas? who said this from the 13th century, another church father. Fittingly enough after prayer, he treats of fasting. For prayer is thin when not accompanied by fasting. Prayer is thin when not accompanied by fasting. It's big words. Are you hungry? I want you to see that this idea, this understanding of fasting was, has been wrought throughout history. And it was something that the early church understood. It was something that the disciples understood. It was something that up until recently ha- has been an understood and regularly practiced habit. I'll use the word habit. Because when doing this research and I was looking at and reading about the history of fasting, I, I recognized something. That it wasn't until recently that the church actually spent two days a week fasting. Regularly, it was, it was practiced. On a Tuesday and a Thursday. And then as time went on, it kind of moved on a Wednesday and a Friday. Well, why? To correlate the Wednesday with the last supper that Jesus would have. Jesus' final fast. Because remember, he didn't eat until after he rose again. And Good Friday, when Jesus passed away. And so fasting is something that is a core fundamental belief. A, A core practice, I'll say. And what the church is. And I asked this question with the Lord because it struck me. I said, Lord, why is it that this day and age we don't fast? Why is that not a, ha- a habit? I won't embarrass anyone here and this is, this is not to be a, a word of judgment at all. It, that's not my heart. My heart is actually the opposite. The Holy Spirit would convict you and get, get you into a movement where you are hungry for what God is doing. But I'm willing to bet that if I took a poll, there'd be about 80 to 90% of you that have said, I may have fasted once in my life for supernatural reasons, not to lose weight. And so we've forgotten this. And I asked the Holy Spirit, I was was saying, God, what is this? Why is this the case for us? And the only answer I kept getting was, my people aren't hungry enough. My people aren't hungry enough. You think about it. We want food and Antrim alone. There's at least eight or nine different takeaways. That's pro- I'm probably putting down probably about 15 local takeaways if you wanted to get food. If you're bored, what's the first thing we do when we're bored? Have you ever sat in a waiting room in a doctor's office? Have you ever sat in a waiting room in a doctor's office without your phone? You wanna talk about uncomfortable. We have Netflix, we have Disney Plus, we have Hulu, we've got Amazon. We're outraged when we order something on Amazon and it comes in two days instead of one. 
We're not hungry enough. We have all we need. And here's the challenge. I'll let you on a little secret. This is the challenge of every church leader, of every worship leader, of every preacher, of every pastor. This is the challenge. How do we get our people hungry? Do you know I've come to the conclusion? We can't do anything. But the Holy Spirit can. And the Lord can convict and the Lord can move. So what is fasting? Let's be really practical for a minute here. Generally, fasting is this, is abstaining from food for a particular time or a particular season or a particular meal or a particular day. That is essentially what fasting is. It's taking time and setting it aside and saying, instead of eating, which I would normally do at this hour, I'm going to take the time to pray, to spend time with the Lord. And sometimes we feel moved to do this for, for longer than a meal. Sometimes it's for a, a longer period. There's, as Gary alluded to, there, there's, a, there's a PDF document that's been sent out to everybody to, to give you more guidelines of this. So this is not what I'm saying. This is, and hear me. This is not to put condemnation and shame on you and to say, do you know what? You need to go and do a 40-day fast entirely with just water. That's not what we're saying. Please, I do not want to be going to 50 different hospital visits for people. If that's what you think, then you've missed the point. But the point is this. We need to make sure we're hungry. We need to make sure we're hungry. There's other types of fasts. There's Daniel's fast, which John alluded to, which is vegetables and smoothies. And there's so many things that have gone out here. So if you have any questions about the practicality of fasting, that's not really what this morning is about. But I want to encourage you, have a chat with one of the church leaders here. Have a, church, have a chat with one of the people. We will happily sit down and do this. This is not something we take lightly. In fact, my hope is that this morning that, that there would be a weight that is felt on what we are doing together. Matthew 6, 16 through 18, I'll read it again. And when you fast, when, not if, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they receive their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be, not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Hmm. We love rewards, don't we? Everybody loves, the, the term I love in Northern Ireland is the Brucey bonus. It's one thing I've learned. Everyone loves a wee Brucey bonus. My wife is embarrassed for me right now. Everybody loves a wee Brucey bonus. We all love rewards. A great marketing team, I used to do, do marketing. A great marketing team will set up rewards for people. How many of you love a good reward? How many of you get emails all the time that go, here's, here's your reward? Personal favorite. Shopping on ASOS, here's your 10 pounds off for your birthday. Happy birthday. Here's a reward. We love rewards. There's nothing wrong with rewards. We love them. I remember as a child, my parents bribing me to behave with rewards. It's real. Parents, how many of us do it? Come on. Yeah. Bribe our kids. If you stay, if you behave, we'll take you to McDonald's. 100%. Hundred percent. 
We love rewards. And can I let you know a little secret? The kingdom of God is about rewards. Jesus speaks about rewards. You reap what you sow. He speaks about this. There's nothing wrong with rewards. But here's the question. What's your motivation? We see in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking. He says, do not be like these gloomy hypocrites. They disfigure. They're, they're fasting. They might be seen by others. They've received their reward. I find that interesting. Jesus is talking about these hypocrites. He doesn't say they receive nothing. They receive the reward. Well, what do the hypocrites want? Some people have taken this passage and what it means is don't you dare tell a single soul that you're fasting. Don't say a thing. We've made this into a, a religious practice in, in a bad sense of the word. That's not what this passage is saying. What this passage is saying is that the hypocrites do fasting so that their reward will be that they get admiration from people. They see, oh, look at him. He's super spiritual. Look at him. He's just worshiping. He's, and I could never be as spiritual as him. He fasted for two weeks. Two weeks? Can you imagine not eating for two weeks? What's his reward? Everything he wanted. The hypocrite's reward is everything that they wanted. I have, I have a confession to make. I have this thing, I'll call it a quirk. We'll call it a quirk. I have this quirk where I go through scenes in the life and I attach or I find fascination, we'll say, with a phrase. It's like my slogan that nobody really knows about for the season. Please tell me I'm not the only one. There's a couple people. Yes, come on. I have a slogan a season ago, we'll call it that way, a season ago, this was my favorite slogan. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Anyone ever heard that one? Yeah. My current slogan, I'm gonna say it to all of you now, is this. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You play stupid games, win stupid prizes. This is what Jesus is saying, essentially. I'm not going to go into heresy and say, I should translate the Bible. That would be bad news. But if I were, this is what I would say. Jesus said, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And this is what the Lord is talking about. He is talking about the motivation. What is the motivation of the hypocrites? That they would be seen, that they would be admired, that they would be put on a pedestal for how super spiritual they were. But Jesus says they received that reward, so they did. But it's like giving up winning the lottery for a Happy Meal toy. They missed the point entirely. What were they hungry for? They were hungry for the approval of man. Did they receive their reward? Yes, they did. We've started something within um, our staff team 
and it's this. You're, you're more, this is an open invitation, by the way, to everyone, is that on, on Tuesday mornings between 9 and 10, we've opened up this space. Generally speaking, the chairs are moved out because of different events and things going on during the week. And we'll put on some music. We'll come in and we'll pray. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment where we kind of just sit in and anyone is welcome who, who is about is welcome to come. It's a time where we come and we just seek the Lord's face. It's something that I've always practiced at, as a kid, um, as a teenager. I had a youth pastor that that instilled this in me, and I'm so thankful for it. It's this understanding of, of coming together and making a habit of coming together and praying. Because there's something so powerful that happens. And I hadn't I hadn't quite said this yet to our team, and I and I was standing, I was standing in probably around this area, just walking back and forth, just praying, just asking the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want? What do you have for us in this season? What do you have this going on? I was giving her stacks. I was calling down revival, calling down breakthrough for families, all of these sorts of things. I'm going around, I'm jumping, I'm like going nuts. And the Lord stops me. Just, he asked this question. Michael, what's your motivation? See, the Lord and I have developed a history. If, my, if God says Michael, it's, it's like the parent. Michael, Michael, what's your motivation? I said, well, Lord, I, I want to do this. I want, I want to see this happen. I want to see revival break out in Antrim. I want to see families saved. I want to see uh, people who've been through addictions and drugs set free. He said, those are great things. But is that your motivation? And I found myself undone. I said, Lord, what do you mean? said, am I not enough? Am I not enough? Perhaps a better question. Are you hungry for me? See, this is the problem, I think, in church. There's so many times that we get so focused and so busy on bringing the kingdom to earth that we forget focusing on the king. We get so busy about how we're going to run a new ministry or, or go after a, a, a new set of people or, or spread the gospel or evangelize. And all of those things are brilliant. All of those things God tells us to do, Jesus tells us to do, and we're to be obedient in those things. Hear me, that's not what I'm saying. But sometimes the first thing to go is the times of prayer and fasting. Sometimes the first things that leave are the times where we say, Lord, I want you. You are my reward. And this is what God is talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. What's the reward? What's the reward of all of this? The reward of all this is that we get to see Jesus face to face. The reward of all this is that we get to enter into the throne room. I'll tell you what happens when you fast. People have been trying to explain how it works theologically. I don't have those answers. All I know is the moments when I've said, Lord, I am laying this time down from a meal or for, from where I look on my phone or for times when I usually go and watch Netflix. I'm laying that down, Lord, and I'm intentionally coming and I'm sitting at your feet. Those are the times that I see the Lord move and work in mighty, mighty ways. But the funny thing is, that's not why I do it. 
I do it because I've, I've learned long ago that I can't go a, a day without spending time with Jesus. I can't. I fail. You want to be a better husband? Do you want to be a better wife? Spend time with the Lord. Fast and pray. You want to better, be a better leader? Fast and pray. It's simple. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture. You've probably heard it. Jesus is over at Mary and Martha's house. Martha's running all over the place, cleaning everything up, trying to get things tidy and right for Jesus. A good Northern Irish mom, tidying the house, getting everything right. And Jesus stops her and he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered by a great many things. But Mary's chosen the good part. Where's Mary? Just at the feet of Jesus. Can I get the band to come up? I've learned that I can't afford to not spend time with Jesus anymore. And perhaps you're in this morning and you're, you feel challenged. Perhaps you sit in this morning and you go, I feel like I'm in a rut. Perhaps you're one of the person who comes in and goes, you know what, I love coming to Journey on Sunday mornings. I love getting the worship. I love getting the stick in my arm. I love getting fired up to go on throughout my week. Can I tell you that as a church, a heart is not that you would come and be amazed and wowed by what happens here on a Sunday morning. But it, it would be a time where we come together and worship the King and Kings and the Lord of Lords as a supplement to what's happening in the weekly basis on the Monday, on the Tuesday. I was sitting in worship this morning and the Lord said, Michael, you need to tell them I'm not a God of Sunday mornings. I'm a God of Monday mornings. I'm a God of Monday afternoons, of Monday evenings, of Tuesday mornings, of Wednesday, of Thursday, of Friday, and of Saturday. And we're funny people. We get into our habits. And you say, oh, I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. I've got kids running around got all this stuff going on. Can I make a challenge to you? Can I talk specifically to parents? Because it's my heart cry to see families seek the Lord together. There's something that was modeled to me by my parents. And it's something that I'll never forget. Here's my challenge to you. If you have small kids, be intentional and set aside time where you and your children can pray. Have you ever had our kids, we, we haven't done it in a while, have anyone ever had our kids come and pray over you? You wanna talk about anointing. You wanna talk about power. You let those kids in the kids' room come down and start laying hands on you and asking for God to change your life. In closing, I wanna look at one last passage really, really quickly. In Acts 13, I don't have time to go into a lot of detail, but here's what you need to know. 
The book of Acts is simply a history of how God expanded his church and moved and worked. And we find in Acts 13 a moment in history that because of a decision that a group of people made, the whole world was changed. In Acts 13, it says this. Now, there were in church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a long friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them, sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Do you want to sit there and see what God does when his people come together and they fast and pray? I can't give you a better example. I can't overstate this enough, how how impactful this was to the rest of the world. Before this moment, Paul had no missionary journeys westward to Asia Minor, to Greece, to Rome, or to Spain. Before this moment, Paul would not have written any of the letters that came as a result of the churches that he planted. This moment of prayer and fasting resulted in a missions movement that would make Christianity the dominant religion of the Roman Empire within two and a half centuries and now yield some 2.3 billion people around the world who claim to be Christians. 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament were a result of this ministry that was birthed out of prayer and fasting. Imagine what would happen in our communities. Imagine what would happen in our families if we came together and we said, I'll fast, I'll pray, I'll seek the Lord. And we have, there's more weeks of this. There's people who come up and we'll talk about different types of why, why we fast and different things. But he, here, is, here is my heart this morning. And this is what I really feel like the Lord wants to, to press on you. Are you hungry? Are you done playing stupid games and winning stupid prizes? Are you truly hungry to see the Lord move? And this is how I want to end this, this morning. Can you all stand with me? We'll have our prayer team come up in a moment. This is one of those, this calls to the altar of your hearts. We sang about the call to the altar. But I want you to take time. This morning this afternoon when you're with your family and pray and consider and ask the Lord, Lord, what, what are you asking me to give? What fasting communicates is this, that we are laying down our bodies, our fleshly desires, but we're laying down our being as a living sacrifice that the Lord would move Jesus, we love you. We worship you. 
God, we ask that you would go before us and come behind us and that you would be with us, your presence would be with us all throughout this week. Lord, would you challenge our hearts to find out what is our motivation? And Jesus, if it's anything but you, if it's anything but you, would you realign us? Would you set us aside? Will you correct us? Jesus, you are the reward. You are the reward. And we worship you because you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of who I am. You are worthy of my works. You are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my life. You're worthy of our lives. And Lord, would you set out your church this morning with conviction to seek the face of Jesus and that we would see you move in power and might across this land. Thank you that you're a good king, a good God and a good father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.